Welcome back to Leafs Fans in Hostile Lands. I'm your host, Kyle Dr. Nurse, and I'm here with co-hosts Craig Don't Call Me Meat Shaw and Dan I've Got Two Kids and You Know It, Britain. <laughs> and apparently this is the ASMR episode. This podcast, we're going to be talking about the three Leafs wins that were fucking awesome and the one Leafs loss. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would have been pretty impressive to win all four, but I'm happy with oh, three that would have been the best. Would have been the best. Oh, my God. But those three wins, decisive. Vegas, yep. Tampa, mm-hmm. Boston. I don't know what the Vegas affiliate is, but that was kind of one of those games because all their stars, <laughs> including Jack Eichel, welcome to the Vegas Golden Knights, Jack Eichel, uh, all out. In three months. Speaking <laughs> of someone who was out, Justin Hall didn't play for any of those games. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast, Sans Dan, but we saw four solid games with uh, Logren now, and we've also heard that the Leafs might be shopping their defensemen. Interesting. Interesting. So, do we like these 6D, or do we want Hall back? Guess what? You're getting him back next game. Just heard from Keith. Hall in, Dermot out oh. against Philly. Okay. Which, okay. Which is interesting. That so says do we lot. like this? Or or did we like the previous pairs? Or Lilligren out, get Hall back in. Dan, haven't heard from you in a bit. What do you think? You know, I'm I'm a big fan of sticking with what works. So I would for now keep Dermot. I mean, Hall can sit a little bit longer and until things really fall apart on the defensive end. I would keep Dermot in there and see how it goes. I think he's paired well with Riley, and they looked pretty good for the last, well, three of the last four games. Even even against uh, L.A., they didn't look terrible after a little bit. Like, they got going after a while, but mm-hmm. um, I just say stick with what's working right now. I agree. Like, over the four-game, five-game winning streak, I understand not changing out the D pairings too much, but now that they've lost a game and there were five goals, it's the time to get Hall back in. Yeah, try it out. We all, at the beginning of the season, we knew that Dermot was going to be rotating. We thought it was going to be with Sandy and Lilligren. But mm-hmm. if he's going to be rotating in it with Hall right now, I think that's something. Get Hall back in, see what he can do. And hopefully he has a couple games that he plays really well. He can raise his value on trade. the trade market. Because if they want to get something for him, you don't want to trade the guy that's been sitting on the bench for five games. You want to trade the guy... Who just had a good game on the ice, uh, you know, playing his style yeah. of hockey. Yeah, I agree. Interesting that Dermot came out instead of Lilgren. Does that a testament to Sandine and Lilgren really kicking, clicking, yeah. kicking? Yeah, I think so. They've they've been playing well. They have a lot of chemistry, and at this point, we know what Travis Dermot is, and we need to see what Lilgren and Sandine are. I I think you're right, Craig. I think it's see what see what he is like. Give him a little bit more chance. See if he's the player that they thought he was, and uh, go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding out that Hall is back in and Dermot is out was from Keith's morning pod, or not podcast, morning. Um, those people that like to talk to him. Media, media. availability. <laughs> Scrum. <laughs> um, do we think he slots in beside Riley, or do we think he slots in back with Muzzin? Uh, Keith didn't say. Which, uh, which do you think it's going to be? I wouldn't hate to see him playing with Muzzin. 
give him a game or two getting back before he gets on that first pairing. Um, I think, you know, Brody and Riley would work well together. Um, we've seen them play before and they work out. See, I think we, I want to see what Lilligren looks like again with other people. He's Ooh. been have, he has a really good defensive game so far. Let's see how much, I want to see how much of that is a chemistry with Sandine or what is his own game. I like to see him beside Riley. Let him play the defensive Whoa. side with a Wait, bit of Lilligren? a player to be able, yeah. Put wow. him on that top pair. Like, we've been playing with Dermot. Dermot was our third pair defenseman until now. Why not switch it around? I'm sure there's going to be a game this week. I haven't really looked at the schedule, but I'm sure there's someone this week that they can play around with the lines a little bit. Let's see. So they're playing Calgary, Buffalo, Buffalo, Calgary Buffalo. Philadelphia, Buffalo. Yeah. Switch around in Buffalo. Get a couple <laughs> games. Yeah, see what. For Buffalo. But <laughs> Buffalo's Call up some together. AHL. <laughs> but. Oh, we might be. We'll get to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair point. Um, I would like to see what Lilligren's game looks like with someone other than, uh, than Sandine. And Muzzin is too defensive. Lilligren's been playing pretty defensive. So yeah, I want to see him beside Riley. Muzzin don't look good at all. Mm, uh, no. I was just going to say, he looks super offensive, just not in the right way. You know, he's like yeah. Get, yeah. getting left behind in the neutral zone as he chases back to get whatever... Two on one or three on one is coming. He's in been turnstiled a few times now. Yeah, it's not looking good. Even with Brody on there now, yeah. Brody looks pretty good most of the time. I did notice that Dermot has been doing the good when uh, having a two on one against him. Which you know we want to cut down on those two on ones, but he went down to block the pass to allow the goalie to take the shooter, as opposed to oh, what do I do? Panicking. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that's gotten a little bit better since our our last podcast for sure. And he's been so, doing. I think he's been learning that from Brody. It looked like he kind of does that, has the same technique uh, blocking those two on ones that Brody does. And that's a great thing bringing in hmm. someone like Brody that can teach these other defensemen how to play that style of hockey. Absolutely. So Vegas, really good control overall. Vegas didn't look that great. We grinded through. It was awesome. I enjoyed it. Tampa, a little bit more of a grind. Both goalies standing on their freaking heads, and I think Campbell almost more than Vasilevsky, and that was super cool, but the Leafs seemed in control the majority of the time, especially when it came to shots. Tampa, uh, 13 minutes in the second period where they didn't have a shot, and I think in the third period there was like only two shots, and it was like 25 minutes where they didn't have much, and obviously Tavares comes back in the last minute for that goal, and huge by Nylander at the end. This has been my loudest game since. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Max. Sorry oh, I one. scared the crap out of, of uh, Alex sitting on the couch. <laughs> she the was OT looking winner. at her phone while not paying attention. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. How could you but, not? <laughs> oh, yeah. There, was, there were a couple things in this game that intrigued me that I think we can talk about a bit. The first one was Marner's breakaway. And Hedman was behind him, and there was really no attempt to stop him other than to take a penalty. It was literally, I'm going to hook you with my stick to slow you down and just cross my fingers that it's not going to be a penalty, but it's definitely not going to be a goal. And then Sergachev comes in full speed and gets Marner in the head. Luckily, he's, he's fine. No response at all. And it was a five-on-three as well. 
So no response offensively and no response physically. What aren't aren't Simmons and Richie there for that? I I don't think the Leafs are that team right now. They're not the big strong. We're gonna come back after you offensively with a fight. Um, certainly Simmons he had the one earlier in the year. He hasn't done much since. He's been playing pretty good offensive hockey though, um, mm. but not necessarily offensive strong arm hockey. Um, Richie, I haven't seen do much of anything, so uh, I I don't expect him to do it. Um, but you know they definitely had to take a penalty to get Marner. The hit to his head is is pretty awful and yeah. super dangerous. But you know you mentioned the hooking like. That's probably the safest one to take if you're gonna. You're not gonna hurt the guy. You yeah. You take the penalty and end the play. But no, the Leafs aren't really being that big offensive team. We just haven't seen it, and I don't expect it right now. That's fair, Craig. This question is for you specifically. Mm-hmm. So Hedman makes the obvious hook on Marner, and then in, in overtime he makes another obvious slash on Tavares to give the uh, penalty that gave the the game winning goal. Is it? strategic to take a penalty or or is it just dirty or is it both if it's going to save a goal i would say it's strategic and with marner coming in on he was more or less on a breakaway on that first one yeah sure it's strategic you're more likely to stop a breakaway goal than for a team to score on a power play at least in my mind and you know they they say like good penalties or bad penalties usually they'll say something like that's a good penalty but the hit that Sergeyev had, that was a bad penalty. Yes. Yeah. And overtime is a little bit more questionable because it is overtime. That gives you just, that's four on three and there's a lot of ice to play with. Yeah, that one's a little more, that was probably a bad time to take that. But is it dirty? Are you really supposed to play the game like that? Uh, you've always played the game like that. Penalties are there. <laughs> is there a supposed to? T- taking a penalty yeah. can be a strategy as well. Like, uh... Back in the 80s, the Wayne Gretzky used to tell his teammates to go take penalties so he had more space on the ice to play. So there's such a thing. Okay. That's kind of from the... That's a different era, other, but yeah. it is yeah. it is yeah. the same kind of you know mental space that you're in. It's like, well, sometimes you need to take a penalty to, to save a goal. Okay. Okay. If it's somebody like Marner Depends on in. the type of... I, like, I don't want someone cross-checking somebody in the face, too. Yeah. But like, getting your stick in someone's hands, it's not... I would call that dirty. Okay. I'm just thinking like penalties are called because you're not allowed to do that. It's not part of the game. It makes it slows the game down, it makes it less fun, or it's unsafe, you know, concerning like Sergachev's thing. Yeah. But if if you're not allowed to do it, why are you doing it? It's it's like, come on. Let him have the breakaway or maybe I guess you don't want to let him have the breakaway, <laughs> yeah, I stop guess. The but whistle. like Yeah. Stuff. Or, yeah, just like, any, uh, any uh, sort of penalty on a player on a breakaway, give him a penalty shot. It just seems, like, weak. Just like, you did that because you aren't as fast as him? That, like, that's, that's all you had? Um, so why, why do you not think that was called a penalty shot? Because Sergachev was slightly ahead of him coming in from the side? Yeah, I think it was because it wasn't outright. Right, okay. He didn't, have, like, he didn't have a clear he step away. Yeah, he didn't have, like... Yeah. Usually that's when you get a dive and a swing to the feet kind of thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. But the, the reason Sergachev was able to get him was because of the hook. The hook. Yeah. Yes, if there wasn't a sure. hook, 
he never would have been able to make up the space to make that hit. And Sergachev knew that he was being hooked and that he was going to be in a vulnerable spot. Like I'm, yeah, I'm. If it was only because it was a first offense that he got two games, I think a lot of other players would that were even in the league longer than him would get more games for that because it's like that just wasn't a good look. And he apologized. I heard that's fair, but and got suspended. He apologized. He got his two games suspended. Don't say sorry. Just don't do it. That's all I had really for the Tampa game. Boston, that was an exciting game, and it was so cool to just romp on them for a little bit. Got a little dicey at the very, very end because mm-hmm. it was our favorite score of 4-1, luckily ending 5-2, so that's good. Uh, guys, anything on the Boston game or just super exciting? Oh, that was the best was... game of the season so far. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly yeah. what Craig said. Yeah. Copy-paste. Leafs look good. Mm. Boston looked not great. Although, as you said, Kyle, they did, they came back at the end. And I was thinking, like, oh, it's I, you know, closed my eyes and turned off the TV for a minute. But um, definitely the most exciting game of the year. Definitely the best Leafs start to the year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If they, I, I think if they hadn't had that good of a start against Boston, Boston would have walked all over them. It was a great start to a game that led to Boston scoring the first goal. Oh yeah, they did too. It, it was they kind did. of like yeah. You could see how well they were playing, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, of course, they're down. Uh, yeah. Now, that was on that penalty to Muzzin for knocking the net off. Right. And then we had the other net off at the other end for the next goal. Um, <laughs> yeah. now, that what was do you guys... wild. Yeah. I, I was listening on the radio during that part, and I had no idea what was going on. And the guys on the radio, like Joe Bowen, who's been doing this for 40 years, had no mm-hmm. idea what the rule was. So, like, and that's one of those things that there's so many rules in this game that you're sitting there watching, flip a coin, I don't know what the rule is anymore of what, is that going to be a goal, or is that not going to be a goal? It's like goaltender interference, or kicking a puck in. Uh, I think I said this already, just like, just let him kick it in. Just let him headbutt it in. <laughs> yeah. As long as it doesn't one, hurt anybody. One way or the other. Just can't put it in off your foot, or can't put it off, off your foot. Doesn't. Like, yeah. just say one way or the other, take it out. But yeah. I like the headbutting, too. I think that would... <laughs> yeah. ah, but you don't really but, want heads flying around on the ice. We already have enough of that. No! <laughs> but, you know, that's uh, one of those yeah. goals where if you're a Leaf fan and it, it's the Leafs that score it, you're like, oh, that's absolutely a goal. Like, of course, that rule makes sense. But any Boston fan's going to be sitting there like, what the hell just happened? The net was off. The It's called a goal. That's not right. Like, it's such a weird interpretation of that net so off did, rule. Did you see the, the actual writing for the new net off rule? They did clarify yeah. that rule a couple within the last couple of years. So originally right. it said if you're in the middle of a shot and the puck goes in with the net off and it would have gone in, then it's a goal. In which that was the case. And what a lot of people were quoting online, that would it's not have been a goal because Riley still had right. the puck at the time. Now, with the new writing that says if a Scoring chance is imminent. And that just leaves it a lot more for interpretation, I'd say, at that point. But I'd say this did fit the bill. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a so one-time shot. I think they shot. did get it both was, calls right. Yeah. It wasn't like a pass that went back and then, you know, wind up and take a shot. It was a pass yeah. and a one-timer. And... I think the games just got so fast and so technical <laughs> that there's just, there's so many rules now. The rules can't keep up, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And some rules are put in because 
one person makes a mistake, but it's a very egregious mistake, like the offside challenge because Duchesne was like 14 feet over the line, but it was just missed by yeah. the linesman. And now we're talking about inches here. Or being able to uh, review whether or not it was a hand pass to a goal or something like that. Like yeah. things that had egregious moments of like, oh, we actually don't have a rule for that. And I think like maybe we need... We may have talked about this before. We need a ref up top. Yes. Yeah, Camera I, ref? I, I, I was still before that. Yeah. Camera ref up top just sends a, you know, a message to the, to the refs below. Yep, that was, that was definitely what you called it. No need to review. Or then blow can... the horn. You know, you guys missed this call. Blow the horn. Boom. Yeah. Like, instead of having the ref go over to the iPad and sit there and look at it and go... Should I second guess what the call that I just made and make myself look like I don't know how to make a call or just yep. have one more ref sitting upstairs with the exact same iPad, seeing the exact same thing who is, you know, impartial to it and just saying like, okay, yeah, you didn't see that right. That's not a goal. Like it's one, it's, you know, 16 more people that you need to play one more person <laughs> that like, that's only one, you know, one person in every game. It's, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. I don't think it takes any integrity away from the game. I don't think it'll take anyone's jobs. If anything, it'll add jobs to the refing position. Yeah, like if you want to retire and don't want to be, you know, trying to keep up with these plays anymore, like those guys can be sitting upstairs. Jeez, Ron McLean could do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, and he kind of does. Yeah. Just doesn't get just doesn't, Yeah, doesn't have authority. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've made our way to the LA game, which was not great. But also, I wouldn't say completely terrible. It just, we weren't get them, getting the bounces. They weren't making the best decisions like they were against Tampa and Boston. I think they really made some great decisions, whereas this one, they kind of looked tired. I thought the defense overall looked pretty bad, and the offense just looked frustrated. Mm -hmm. John Tavares is on a freaking tear, which is great for me, for obvious <laughs> reasons. Fantasy. Yes. Yeah. Matthews was on a tear, but he seemed very frustrated in this game. And honestly, when he doesn't score, he, he just tends to get frustrated. Sometimes for the better, because he starts laying in some hits and opening some ice. But sometimes it just seems like he's gripping his stick a little bit harder and, and gets that frustration going. I don't have much to I, say about L.A. I th Unfortunately, I thought we ran into another Vesna goalie that is not really a Vesna goalie anymore. Yeah, just and maybe it's because some of the and... yeah he wasn't getting the best shots again, and it was like, mm, eh, you know. I also think Campbell looked tired. Yeah, yeah, he's been playing a lot. He's been I do playing have a, a bit lot. Of a pessimistic thought on it. Uh, now that was the first time that Campbell played against his old team. I wonder if it's the mm. same old Leafs gripping the sticks too hard, trying to win the game instead of just playing hockey the way that they know how to play the game. It's the same thing we keep seeing when you get into that, that high pressure situation or a game that is like, you know, we feel like we need to win this, that they just seem to choke. Now, is it that they need to win it or they should win it? They because... feel like they need to win it. Okay, they feel like they need to. That, like okay. you were saying with Matthews gripping his stick a little too hard. Maybe he's got in the back of his mind, like, we need to win this game for Jack. Or we need for to win this series for John. Or, yeah. you know, we need to win this game because this guy is our employee in the other net. Like, 
<laughs> we need to win this game because this is Columbus. We need to win this game. It's Boston. We're the better team. We need to win this. Like, yeah, we gotcha. have a lot of teams yeah. like that, Craig. We need to win this game because they just Ottawa, came back Montreal. from the entire team having COVID. <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. seems like when they oh, get into those, God. you know, when they've got something that they're playing for, they can't do it. Interesting. Because I just saw a similar Blues fan. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good news segment. Saw... <laughs> Jeez, that's the entire podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, we try to be positive. I saw a similar trend for sure, but it's more we should win this game because maybe they're the underdog. So they should have beaten the Habs last year because it was the top team against the bottom team and they were up 3-1 in the series. They should have won. So maybe they relaxed or gripped the stick too hard or just, I, I don't know. This something just doesn't click when they're facing the underdog. What was it, a couple weeks ago when they were playing uh, Pittsburgh, but they didn't have their top five guys? They should have won that game, but got yeah. blown out 7-1 against mm-hmm. L.A. L.A. is still a rebuilding team. Keith still had great things to say about them, and I thought they played really well. They weren't the L.A. Kings of the past couple of years. But the Leafs should have won that game. So can they play the underdog? Can they beat the underdog, or do they have to kind of be the underdog to win? Vegas, Tampa, Boston, those are hardcore teams you think the Leafs are going to have a hard time against. And they won all three, but then they play L.A. and something happens. Dan, what do you think? Uh, it's, you know, it makes me think of last year when the Leafs would go on these ebbs and flows of winning three games in a row, then losing four in a row, then winning three, like four in a row, losing three. It, it drove me crazy all year. But, you know, we're already kind of seeing that pattern start to emerge with them is that they get a little bit of momentum going and then something clicks or something clicks or, or doesn't click on the Leafs side and everything falls apart. I, I don't think necessarily they played terribly badly against LA. Um, you know, once they got into the game, it, it got a little bit better, but they couldn't recover from the amount of goals that were scored. I think it was 2 nothing by the end of the first or something like that. Like, yeah, you know, tough on Campbell. Tough on the defense and the offense isn't producing. So they, they get in their head. It, nothing uh, goes their way. And they didn't get any bounces either. Like you have to get at least one or two lucky bounces in a game like that to be able to come back. Um, so I, I think it's it's normal hockey rhythming that we're seeing. Um, if Obviously, if we see a couple more losses in a row, either that's the same pattern as they had last year, or maybe there's something that needs to change on the Leafs end. But bringing Hall that, in could be that change that uh, Keith wants to do. Is that normal hockey ebb and flow for other teams as well? Or is it more for the Leafs? Unless you're Florida. I mean, it seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina, it, it just St. Seems... Louis. There's a lot of teams playing really well right now. Calgary's yeah. playing really well. Calgary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking more like big picture stuff, though. Like over the past, let's say, decade, Boston has been relatively consistent. And for the past couple of years, we've been saying, oh, they're going to take their dip now. Oh, they're getting old. They're going to, and they never do. They have that resilience to get through. Chicago had that resilience for many years. Now they're kind of dropping off. They just recently fired their coach. Tampa, extreme resilience. Two back to back cups. They went to several conference finals. They went to another Stanley Cup final where they lost, and they keep coming back. I don't know. 
I don't think the Leafs can stand up with these big guns because they have they don't have that emotional resiliency. When things are clicking, it's it's hot. It's go go go. When they're not clicking, it's that much worse. There's too much of a sway, and other teams I think are able to, you know, be a goldfish. You mentioned that you know they can't play with the big dogs right now, and I and I think you're right. I think part of the Leafs' problem is that they are consistently inconsistent. Um, yeah. yeah, we also have uh, a bit of a goaltending deficit at the moment uh, with Mrazek out, so everything was being relied on Campbell, and yeah. a that's tiring to play every single game in a four game stretch. Um, but B, you know, it's if the defense isn't showing up, it's all on you. And then if it's all on you and you start to screw it up, everything goes downhill. Anything to add, Greg? No, I think just over the course of any season, really for any team that, you know, is any sort of playoff caliber, you're going to go through ebbs and flows of wins. Like, I, can't, I was reading this earlier today. I can't remember which player. Maybe it was Keith. Someone say, said that you get into rhythms. Like the Leafs were just in a rhythm where everything was kind of clicking and everything was flowing. They were feeling good. And then sometimes things will just go out of rhythm. Like it, it'll happen. But the problem with the Leafs is that when they get out of rhythm, they continue that rhythm too long. They'll lose, you know, three games, four games in a row instead of the really successful teams that will lose one or two. They'll win one, then they'll lose maybe another one, but then they'll get back into that win- winning rhythm. The Leafs mm-hmm. just seem to go on like seven games in a row where they'll win two. And then they follow that up with five game winning streak. And then they'll lose, you know, four straight. Like, like you were saying, Dan, that they just have the <coughs> wrong rhythm with the way that they're playing. Speaking of uh, the winning streak, we had five-game winning streak there, which was great. It was so much fun to watch. And as far as I remember, all of those goals, or at least 14 of those goals, yeah, the last 14 scored by the core four, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. What I think sparked them was finally Marner getting one and Matthews getting one. Yeah. Now, Matthews, I think, had one, but then he had a gap. And then he just he's he's been firing on all cylinders since, um, and it's just kind of spread now. Nylander, I don't know. He always seems a little invisible, but in a good way. Until he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, until he shoots and scores, and then he's just like, oh yeah. By the way, I'm still here too, bitches. <laughs> so, I think that's what sparked him. Here's a fun kind of off the track question. Given that these guys have finally stepped up, who has the best value contract out of the core four? And let's think during winning streak, not during those slumps. Let's just think, who's got the best value contract during the winning streak? Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Craig. Tavares. He has, I think, what, 12 points in 12 games, something along that line? 13 points, 13 games now? 13 points. Yep. Yeah, 13 points in 13 games. He is playing fantastic. He is, you know, consistent. He's always, he's continuing his play from last year. He picked up exactly where he left off. And I think he's maybe taking it to another level with his play. Now, he might not be the flashiest one on the team, but he's the most consistent guy on the Mm -hmm. team, day in and day out. And I think that's really been what's grounded the team over the last couple of weeks. You know, he's scoring, he's, you know, in on everything on the power play 
the other guys have kind of, you know, streaked and, you know, scored in bunches, but he's been consistent so far this season and throughout this, uh, this winning streak. A follow-up before I get to Dan. Is Marner the reason Tavares is hot? Because they're on the same line right now. Maybe in terms of points, but his play away from Marner, just keeping the puck, getting the puck into the zone, you know, his neutral zone play, that is what is, you know, driving Marner to be able to have a little bit more space and to have the puck more often, which leads to Tavares, you know, scoring more goals. I dig it. Dan, who's got the best value contract? You know, I was going to say Tavares also. Interesting. Yeah, for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, he, he yes, he's making big money, but he really holds the team and he doesn't slump a lot. Like you don't get the the Nylander slumps or the Marner slumps from the start of the season. Uh you you said Kyle kind of what sparked each other or, or what sparked them. I think they sparked each other as you said. I think you're absolutely right. A couple goals got going and then they realized, okay, well, they didn't realize, they know this, but the confidence came back. They either shook off the all or nothing series or shook off their bad start and said, okay, we are a professional class team. We can make these plays. And I think Tavares's leadership role adds to the, his value in the contract. So that's, I agree with Craig. Now, Kyle, are you going to say Marner? I was going to say Nylander because he has the lowest number. Hmm. Okay. And still comparable numbers. I think he's got 13 points also or something. He has the the comparable numbers for sure. Sorry, I meant dollar value. He's only at right. six point nine. Yeah, like six point nine for a similar produ- production to Tavares, Matthews, or Marner at any given time. At least over the past two seasons, the the season that he sat out a little bit was just awful. But since then, in terms of value, I think <laughs> Nylander is up there. I'm worried that when his time comes, he's going to be asking for. The big money? I would think so. But totally. May, maybe not because he doesn't, he doesn't do that stuff away from the puck quite as well. Now he when has he's been near the puck, penalties. He's, yeah, he's, I, actually, he's has, contributing I, I, more into the team this year than he has in the past. I think he's true. You know, they're putting him in for harder minutes. He, yeah, he's getting a lot of minutes actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they, he, I think he last year he said, I want more minutes because he was only playing 16, I think. Yeah. And they said, well, that means you need to pay a penalty kill. And he said, okay. Yeah. And that's the kind of player you want to see. And yeah, I think you're right. Once <laughs> his uh, contract is up, he's going to be asking for a lot more. Which, well, we got three years still, but yeah, that's, we talk about it all the time. It's a great trade candidate. You never know. I think he but has he's... the most value to trade. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see him go, but of the four, he has the most value. Other than yeah. maybe Matthews, but I guess he's, he's not actually in that conversation well they're up at the same time yeah so at the end of that you're going to be walking away from one of those contracts and you know which one it's going to be well you want to hope that you maybe not set one into stone yeah before that and not walk both and just be like come on guys let's get one of you no that's in three years (laughs) you're going to be seeing you know if it's not before that trading nylander so that you can resign matthews And Muzzin is up the same year, and Brody is up the same year. So that could mean a trade for a defenseman to take over for one of those guys. Could be. Yeah, I I don't think we'll be seeing Muzzin resigned after that. Maybe, but at a smaller number. Yeah, it's hard to say. But I'm wondering: Are we seeing an injury right now with him? Are we seeing the signs of decline? Okay. Yeah. I I don't want it to be the latter, but it's very possible. Thirty-two. 
That's kind of maybe more like 34 is where it starts for some people, but he plays he's up hard there. minutes though. Think of the minutes that he played with LA going to those Stanley Cups. Think of the minutes yeah. that he's played on the Leafs. Just they, he goes in the hardest assignments. He's always putting his body on the line. Mm-hmm. It's not that surprising if he's been, you know, if he has some really lingering issue or like injuries right now. Great segue, Craig. Woo-hoo. Well done. Thank you for doing that on purpose. Because <laughs> uh, not only do the core four have the past 14 goals, the D so far this year have one. Muzzin. Muzzin. Yes, one, one goal from Jake Muzzin. But it's the defense. Are, are we worried about this? I'm sure they've got a sis in there. I don't have the number for that right off the top of my head. But are we worried about that? I'm not. I'm not I either. I think that we've got enough scoring on the top end that, yeah, we'd like to see Riley maybe score some more goals. But I think we've put our all our eggs into the basket of the forwards going to score. What is worrying me more is that the other, oh, six, eight guys in the forward lineup hasn't scored in those last 14 goals. Like, we're not seeing anything yep. bunting, Kerfoot, anyone on the third line, anyone on the fourth line. Like... Spezza was playing so well and he was you know he was scoring when the other guys weren't but we also want to see him scoring when the other guys are that fourth line is in the offensive zone all the time yeah and like solid scoring chances absolutely as opposed to the first two lines kind of being in the offensive zone without good scoring I like I see two on one Spezza Simmons like twice a game they don't convert but they're doing it Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool but just to go back, like, do we want to rely on our D to generate the offense? If that's where we are as an organization. I wouldn't say rely, <laughs> but maybe a little more. And, like, nobody's got uh, an intimidating shot from the blue line. Except for Muzzin. Not, not right now, yeah. But I don't know. Muzzin, I think, it needs to be often. closer. Yeah. He's not, like, blue line guy. Um, you know, Clapper's Shea Weber style. Hmm. I would like to see, well, first of all, I want to see Lowell Green get a goal because he doesn't have one in the NHL yet. But Sandine, I think, has a deceptive shot. I think he needs to shoot more. Yeah. And, you know, the third pairing is playing a lot, like Craig mentioned last time, with the top two, for sure, so that the other two can get with the the bottom pairs. So I want to see him shoot more, and I think that'll help get the the puck to the net a little bit... uh, more often i want to see them the defense shoot more on net and having matthews and bunting standing right there you know either of them can score up close yeah for matthew sure. scores great goals in the you know right at the goal mouth and if bunting can be there to hit hit in the dirty ones like that's how you're gonna score playoff goals you need to get the you know get the forwards back toward the defense clear up a little bit of space and get a guy in the uh in near the blue paint and back and whack in a couple of those dirty goals Backing and whacking. Backing and whacking. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, Craig. I mean, I think you even said it last podcast that Bunting's the one that's been getting those goals right in front of the net, those scramble goals, those weird tips kind of thing. And, you know, he's producing, so leave him there. Mm. Well, not in the past four games. Well, but yeah, that. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, That was last podcast, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But again, we're not, we're not expecting Bunting to score every game or every other game. Right. Uh, speaking of those uh, fringe guys, Mikheyev expected to come back soon. I don't think he's traveling with the team to Philly, but maybe Calgary or Buffalo, he could have a chance of coming back. I'm not 100% sure on the timeline, but I've just heard he's coming back soon. So Mikheyev comes back. Who comes out? Or 
does Mikhaev even go in? What do you think, Dan? You know, I the the second part is kind of where I'm leaning. Does he go in? I don't know if I'd medium immediately put him in anywhere. <sighs> the team is playing well without him. Um, he wasn't generating a ton of offense last year, as we kind of hoped he would. Uh, but it would be nice to see him get some time at least to play a little bit of development. But who would come out? Like, you don't want to take Simmons out because then you've lost 90% of your size. Can uh, I, Cash can is I having a great a year. Sorry? Engvall. Engvall comes out. Engvall comes out. It, I, I don't pretty think it's much, a, right? Like, I honestly don't think it's a question at this point. Um, he's playing his, he's just a filler he's spot been, on that third line left side. I don't think he's good enough to be keeping Mikheyev away. Mikheyev is a great penalty killer. He, with his speed, he forces guys to, you know, make some sloppy plays. Yes, he might not have the finish, but he makes the other team work faster. And I don't think Engvall just has enough to his game to keep uh, Mikheyev out over him. Yeah, that's fair. That that's who would go. You're right. Yeah, I think so. And trade him. What about Richie though? Richie, I don't do you think you can spend take... all that money and then get rid of him. Yeah. No, maybe not get rid of him, but yeah, like yeah, sit him. Yeah. We've been sitting Hall. Yeah, like we never money expected that from? to happen. Oh, uh, I guess. Well, we got Mrazek, and then we're just kicking the can down the road to figure out who comes out when Mrazek comes back. Well, even if we, if Mrazek was back. And we wanted to bring Mikheyev back. We would. We something would have to happen. Exactly. So either way. So I yeah. think it's trading Engvall because I don't think the he's not going to clear waivers. I think at this point they can't try anymore. If they're going to try to put send a guy down, trade him and get something. Because true. I think teams are just too hungry for depth players. But that he's making a lot more than the other guys we put on waivers. He's making what one and a quarter? Yeah, one and a quarter is half a million more than seven fifty. But how much? How much term does he have left on his contract? This year, and but he's in arbitration after that. You can walk away. You can walk away from an RFA. You you can use him this year and then go into arbitration. He's not going to be making more. He's not going to get a bigger contract than that next year. So I think he's the kind of player that someone's going to take a shot on. You know, put him in the top six on another team and just let him have offensive minutes because he might succeed that way. Look at like Bear Banov last year. But I, I think that if they're going to pull him out, I think it's just time to trade him. We've been talking about that for three years now, basically since mm-hmm. he went cold after, you know, before scoring on David Ayers. <laughs> We've been talking about it that long, a whole pandemic ago. That's about true. Trading Angval. <laughs> That's a good point. So I think now is the time, time. To, to finally do it. Now is the time. I think Richie, and I don't think Richie trade. I think Richie pull out of the lineup, similar to Hall. I think it's. And if Hall does really well, then I think this needs to be a strategy we go forward with. That, hey, you're not playing well. We're going to sit you for a bit. We're going to let someone else go in, see how it goes. We'll get you back in after you get either some rest or lots and lots more in the practice drills and things like that. Because they can't do practice drills forever while also playing games. Their body's just going to collapse. You're talking about just press box sitting then. Absolutely. Yeah, like like Hall. Just sit and think about what you've done. Yeah. So basically send down yeah. Lilligren, put hall in put um richie up in the press box that would probably work no problem with that well i'd like to see Lilligren, but yeah i know i mean in if, terms if of you cap, gotta do it is it ridiculous how much we have to worry about cap space and not actually about putting together a good hockey team oh god yeah it's frustrating yeah 
talked about Richie. Mrazek is out again. Darn, re-aggravated it. They're not going to try to bring him back early this time. He's out the full four weeks because of his groin injury. That really sucks. That was the risk they took. Too bad. So sad. Yeah. They do have a back-to-back this week. Calgary on Friday, 7 o'clock in Toronto. And then in Buffalo, they play the Buffaloes. Who starts that game? Who do we want to see start that game? Because I imagine Campbell will get Calgary. Oh, I hope uh, so. Joseph Wool has been the backup recently. I think this might be a cap thing instead of Hutchinson. I don't know why. Do they make the same money? It, I can't it's remember. a waiver it thing. Matter. It's they, a waiver I, thing. I don't think oh, they right. can have Hutchinson on the bench for as many games. Then they have to resend him through waivers. So yes. rather bring up the Well, guy they had that, to do that already. Yeah, but if they have him sit on the bench for X amount of games, then they need to waive him again. Right. And I think they're just concerned about doing that. So take the risk of putting anybody in backup. Just hope that Campbell stays healthy. And then Wall is going to be, you know, he's exempt from waivers. So they can send him back and up and down and they can keep him on the bench. I think they can bring up Hutch for a game have him play, but okay. I don't think they would bring him up just to sit him on as backup. Gotcha. So who do we want to see against Buffalo? Do we want to see Joseph Wall, or do we want to see Mr. Hutch, the Dutch? <laughs> God, if they put Wall oh. in, those guys need to play one hell of a game in front of them. Don't ruin another yeah, but goalie. It's, but it's Buffalo, so as you said earlier, like that's a little bit safer, right? So if they're going to do it, and they're going to go for it and give him a shot... That's a be- not the best team, but one of the better teams to do. Buffalo's on a five-game losing streak. Is Craig Anderson going to be in net? Craig Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Vesna goalie Craig Anderson. Yes. Followed by Vesna goalie the next team, and so on and so on, as it seems. Okay, so Dan says Joseph Wall. I say Wall. Craig? I think that they, I would like to see Wall in, but I think they will bring up Hutch and play him in that game. I think Wall. That'd be the best. What, is it Wall or Wall? I, I don't know. Wall. I like Wall better. I like wall. that. Be a Wall. Like, get him in. Why not? But you're right. They do have to put on a heck of a game for him. And we talked about in the previous segment, they're not great at that. Yeah, don't make it like when, when they, they brought up. You know, when they first brought up Sparks and got shelled for five, then when they brought up Kiswo oh, and they shelled him for five, and I think when Bebo came up, they shelled him for five. Like you gotta yeah. you gotta protect that goalie like when Campbell first came up. Think of how well they played in front of him every single game. Play yeah. like that in front of so, those young guys and get some confidence into them. So does it matter how the Calgary game goes, do you think? If they blow out Calgary, do they keep ball in against Buffalo? Oh yeah. Sorry, Campbell? Yeah, it, like if Campbell, like if they play at Campbell in uh, Calgary, get the confidence up at the top four scorers, and then do they keep Wall in for the next game? Oh, as opposed to Hutch. Yeah, I see what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, sorry, as opposed to Hutch, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah probably, that, could that, be, could, that could work. Yeah, if you lose the spark. game against Calgary, then you will probably want those points a little bit more against Buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then maybe get Hutch. Is there any situation where Campbell plays both? I no. hope not. I don't think so. With his injury, you know, with his record of injuries, I don't think they want to, you know, ruin him this season, especially with Mrazek out. I don't think they mm-hmm. can afford to play him two games in a row and have him be injured. I then agree. what do you do? 
then you're That's trading Nylander for a goalie. Like there's My really God. nothing left at that point. There's not or just not many out there. Or just call it a lost season, honestly. Like we're playing for picks. Sorry, Kyle Dubas, you you gambled and lost again. That's too bad. Okay, that's all I got. So, we talked about the Leafs the whole time. Every time I say this is going to be a short podcast, it's not. No. But it's fun. We're having fun. That's the way it works. Uh, we should do a bet, I think. But I don't have one. Anybody got a good idea for a bet? We are playing the Flyers tomorrow on Wednesday, and then Calgary on Friday, and then the Sabres on Sunday, and then the Predators on Tuesday. So we'll probably record either Monday or Tuesday, so let's not include the Preds. So three games, one of them is a or two of them are back-to-back. We are even in terms of wins. Dan won, Craig won. I won last week. Sorry, I won two weeks ago, and then I also won this week because Matthews had four goals, right? Yes. Yeah, you won. I was so close. He didn't score against. You were so close. I was really hoping he'd score a hat trick against LA and just give me a good, decisive win. Yeah. (laughs) Price is right. One for me again. Thank you. I've got a bet for, uh, for this week. I'm ready. Go ahead. All right, Dan, this one involves you. Okay. How far into the game against Calgary will it be before Dan's father-in-law sends him a uh, <laughs> text shitting on the Leafs? It's going to be an hour and a half before the game. And after then the game starts, every though, 10 like... minutes after the Leafs make a shitty play. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying 10 Dan's minutes dead. into the game. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, puck drop goes to Calgary. Well, text. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will personally say three minutes I think I'll get a text within the first this is game 15. time yeah, this is like within, after puck time. drop within the first 15 minutes okay okay so Craig's saying within the first three so Dan will get three to 15 like can I say I say whatever you want like, or can to, I say let's just per- do closest time so like if it's 301 then i'm closer yeah oh, i see what's happening you didn't you didn't like the <laughs> no, previous <laughs> prices right rules well this one with time <laughs> let's just make it closest to the time uh well i just i want i like the before the game sort of thing that's fair so you can take can, that. can i say can i say negative one i think minutes? you can just say one <laughs> okay one second i'll go one yeah. So one, one minute, one three second, minute, and, and then basically Dan's after three minutes. See, I think what's going to happen is he's going to let a few stupid plays go by, and then once his confidence is a little higher, that's when I'll get the text. That's why I'm giving it a little bit longer. See, okay, I think but Calgary's if it's, bef- so if it's well, before that... the game, does that count or no? If it's, it's before the game, game no. that counts. I'll give you that. Okay. After, once the okay, game I'm starts. One. Yeah. yeah, if it's before the game starts. So, so Kyle, you can win a puck drop. Okay, but it's not before the game. No. How far into not the game? Not before the game. Yeah. That changes things. Okay. Um I'm not I'm not going one then. I'm gonna go seven minutes. Okay. okay. Enough for Calgary to get three goals. That's not funny. <laughs> the way they're playing, geez. Well, how many yeah, shutouts Calgary's does Markstrom have right so far? Three, four? <laughs> Something silly like that, yeah. 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 He's 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 making his money now. Oh yeah. After last season. Yes. He has four already. That's nuts. Is that the most? Oh yeah. He's only played nine. He's had four shutouts. 
That's insane. Unsustainable, but that's amazing. Insane. Good for him. Okay. <clears throat> that's all we have for this podcast. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media. We're putting up posts once, twice, sometimes three times a week. And five stars on your favorite podcast app. That would be so much fun to get that up there. Leave us a comment. Leave us a uh, review. Oh, the comments. Tell comments a friend. are so much fun. Those are fun. Comments are so much fun. And we respond sometimes and we mention them in the podcast sometimes, but always in a nice way. We're never going to call you out like we do with Eric. <laughs> we know him and he's, he's a cool dude. But Family's different. That's it for me. That's it for. Wait. And this was the Leafs Fans <laughs> in Hostile Lands podcast signing off. Go with Leafs, go with. Go, Leafs, go. Go, Leafs, go. Oh, Dan, that one was nice. <laughs> That's my bedroom voice for you guys. <laughs> Throwing a little bit That's of like, like throat cold and it just it smooths out really nicely. Smooth like, scotch, that one on loop. Smooth like scotch. Put that one on loop. I'm gonna put that make, make that one help me go to sleep tonight. Go leaves go. Go leaves go. Go. Go leaves go.